Well, welcome to Theology Matters. I'm Pastor Dwayne, and I'm so excited about the video today. We're going to be talking about a hot topic. We're going to be talking about a controversial issue in the church context. Um, remember, I've said it over and over again, around 9% of Christians in the American context, only 9%. In the American church, actually have a biblical world view. Now, yesterday I talked about shared a devotion out of Second Timothy, uh, chapter four, where Paul uh, commends and charges Timothy to preach the word and to preach it in season and out of season, when it's popular and when it's not popular. Um, to to re correct and to rebuke and to encourage with patience because there Paul writes there's a time coming when people will no longer put up with sound doctrine we're living in that day in the American church and the evidence of that is the fact that only 9% of Christians in American in the American church have a biblical worldview actually hold to sound biblical doctrine. So we're going to deal with tough issues on this page. We're going to deal with controversial issues on this page. And today we're going to deal with a text that I believe is one of the one of the most quoted texts today even by Christians. But it's the not only is it the most quoted, one of the most quoted texts, it's one of the most misinterpreted texts in the modern church, in the American context. Oh, I can't wait to deal with this topic. And listen, you may not agree with every single detail in this video, and I'm okay with that. But at least give me a hearing. At least hear me out. At least hear me out as I'm presenting the evidence from the scriptures on this topic. So today, what I want you to do is to really, really put on your thinking caps. And to buckle up. Because we're going to deal with a tough issue. And we're about to take off. <laughs> Well, welcome back to Theology Matters, and I'm going to pull up the text we're going to be looking at. Yep, Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge, so that you will not be judged. Oh, man, this text. This text is one of the most misinterpreted texts today. Now, Jesus' command not to judge others could be the most widely quoted of his sayings, even though it is almost invariably quoted in complete 
disregard of its context. Here is Jesus' statement. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Or as the NIV says it, as I have up here. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Many people use this verse in an attempt to silence any critic, interpreting Jesus' meaning as, you don't have the right to tell me that I'm wrong. Now, taking in isolation Jesus' command, do not judge, does indeed seem to preclude all negative assessments. However, there is much more to the passage than just these three words, do not judge. The Bible's command that we not judge others, does that mean that we cannot show spiritual and biblical discernment? Immediately after Jesus says, do not judge, he says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. In verse 6 of chapter 7 of Matthew. A little later in the same sermon, he says, Watch out for false prophets. By their fruit, by their behavior, you will recognize them. How are we to discern who the dogs and pigs and false prophets are unless we have to the ability to make some type of judgment call on doctrines and even deeds, ethics, how someone lives. Jesus is giving us permission to tell right from wrong. Also, the Bible's command that we not judge others does not mean all actions are equally moral or that truth is somehow relative. The Bible clearly teaches that truth is objective, that it is eternal and inseparable from God's character. Everything that contradicts the truth is a lie. But, of course, to call something a lie is actually to pass judgment. To call adultery or murder a sin is likewise to pass some type of judgment. But it also, but it's also to agree with God to call those things sin. When Jesus said that we are not to judge others, he did not mean that no one can identify sin for what it is. Based on God's definition of sin, And the Bible's command that we not judge others does not mean there should be no uh, dealing with or any ability to deal with sin. The Bible as a whole uh, has a whole book in it called Judges. The judges in the Old Testament were raised up by God himself, according to Judges 2.18. The modern judicial system, including its judges, 
is a necessary part of our society. In saying, do not judge, Jesus was not saying, hey, anything goes. It doesn't matter how you live, and nobody has the right to question how you live. Because elsewhere, Jesus gives us a direct command to judge. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. John 7, 24. Judge correctly. Here we have a clue as to the right type of judgment that Jesus has called us to do versus the wrong type of judgment. Taking this verse and some others, we can put together a type of description of the sinful type of judgment, of sinful types of judgment. The first one would be superficial judgment is wrong. Passing judgment on someone based solely on appearances is quite sinful. And we saw that in our John 7, 24. It is foolish to jump to conclusions before investigating the facts about a situation. Simon the Pharisee passed judgment on a woman based on her appearance and reputation. But he could not see that the woman had been forgiven And Simon thus drew Jesus' rebuke for his unrighteous judgment in Luke chapter 7. The next type of sinful judgment is hypocritical judgment. Jesus' command to to not judge others in Matthew 7-1 is preceded by comparison to hypocrites. We see this in Matthew 6-2, Matthew 6-5, and Matthew 6-16 and is followed by a warning against hypocrisy in Matthew 7, 3 through 5. When we point out the sin of others, while we ourselves commit commit the same sin, we condemn ourselves, Romans 2, 1. If If we're in a type of sin in our own lives, And then we're calling out someone else's sin that they are doing the same exact thing. That is hypocritical judgment, and that's sinful. The next type of sinful judgment is harsh and unforgiving judgment. We are always to be gentle towards everyone, Titus 3.2. It is merciful It is the merciful who will be shown mercy, Matthew 5, 7. And as Jesus warned, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Our judgment should never be harsh and unloving. Anytime that we have to deal with sin in a brother or sister's life, it should never be from a arrogant and prideful heart it should always be with a heart of wanting to see forgiveness and redemption and restoration in that brother or sister's life 
And next, self-righteous judgment is wrong. We are called to humility. For James 4, 6 says that God opposes the proud. The Pharisee in Jesus' parable um, of the Pharisee and the tax collector was, and the, and the tax collector, we see the tax collector was confident in his own righteousness. He thanks God that he is not like that sinful tax collector. and He stands up proud before God. And the tax collector comes in and he bows his head and beats his breast and begs God to forgive him. And we see that it was the tax collector who was forgiven and not the Pharisee. We are never to pass judgment in a self-righteous, arrogant way. Our, our goal is to see people redeemed, restored, justified, made right before God. God sees the heart, but the Pharisee only saw the sin. Lastly, untrue judgment is wrong. The Bible clearly forbids us from bearing false witness in Proverbs 19.5. Also, Titus 3.2 says, Slander no one. Christians are often... We're often accused of judging or being intolerant when we speak out against sin. But opposing sin is not wrong. Holding aloft the standard of righteousness naturally defines unrighteousness and draws the slings and the arrows of those who choose sin over Godliness. John the Baptist incurred the ire of Herodias when he spoke out against her adultery with Herod in Mark 6, 18 through 19. She eventually silenced John, but she could not silence the truth. Believers are warned against judging others unfairly or unrighteously. But Jesus commends us to right judgment. We are to be discerning. Colossians 1.9 tells us this. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 and the rest of Scripture clearly points out that we are to be a discerning people. We are to preach the whole counsel of God, including the Bible's teachings on sin. We are to gently confront erring brothers or sisters in Christ, according to Galatians 6.1. We are to practice church discipline, according to Matthew 18.15 through 17. We are always to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15.
15. We see that the scriptures do warn us against judging wrongly, judging unrighteously. But this idea that we can't pass any type of judgment is foreign to the scriptures. Let me give you an example. Say a pedophile moves in my neighborhood. I have two daughters. Am I going to have some discernment here and make sure that my two daughters stay away from that person? You say, well, absolutely. Any parent worth their salt and in their right mind would do that. That's passing a judgment. I want to deal with a scripture, a passage in the Bible, where we see church discipline in practice. And this may shock you. Some of the words that are used here may shock you. And some of the statements may shock you. Um, sometimes we will read a scripture like, do not judge. And we take it completely out of context that what Jesus was really saying there is don't judge hypocritically. Don't be a hypocrite in passing your judgment. Now he goes on in that text in uh, Matthew 7. He says, uh, if you see a speck in your brother's eye and there's a big log in your eye, um, you need to deal with the log in your eye first. But then he goes on and say, when you've dealt with that log, then go to your brother and deal with the speck in his eye. He doesn't say don't deal with the speck. He doesn't say, hey, just let that go. No, he says, deal with the sin in your life. If you're committing that same sin, deal with it in your life. Then go to your brother or sister and deal with the speck in their eye. Don't judge them hypocritically. Make sure you're right in that area before you deal with that sin in their life. Let's look at a pretty shocking text in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, Paul is getting ready to deal with some sexual immorality in the Corinthian church. Man, the Corinthian church was a mess. Um, and Paul is having to deal with and try to help clean up this mess in this church. Well, there's a young man who is committing incest, having an incestuous relationship. He is sleeping and living with his stepmother. Uh, and this is how the Apostle Paul uh, commands the church to deal with this situation. Let's read. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. 
Why, why are they proud? You're getting ready to see why he says they're proud. He doesn't just say they're proud. He says, shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? The reason he says that they were proud is because they refused to deal with it. It was like they were proud of the situation, this sinful situation that had arisen in their church. The leaders refused to deal with it. So Paul says, it seems like you're proud about this situation. It seems like you're celebrating uh, this man's sin. And then he goes on, for my part, even though I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord. Oh, Paul just passed judgment. I have already passed judgment. Where is the do not judge? Is, is Paul wrong here? He's inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen these words. He is not wrong. Jesus was not telling us never to pass any type of judgment. He was telling us in our judgment, we need to make sure it's a righteous judgment. It is a right judgment. I've already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, this is, this is really tough language, guys, and it may shock you. Hand this man over to Satan. Man, that sounds harsh, especially to our Western ears where... Somehow, holiness has been turned into some type of niceness. You can be nice to people. You can be so nice to someone that you just watch them bust hell wide open. That's unloving is what that is. To allow your brother or sister in Christ to remain in their sin and never Go to them and say, listen, this sin will kill you. It will destroy your life. It's the most unloving thing you can do is not to deal with a person's destructive behavior. Hmm. Turn this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Now, why is Paul passing judgment? Why is he telling the church to remove this man from fellowship. Why is he telling this church to turn this young man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh? So that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Paul's heart here is redemption. Paul's heart here is restoration. Paul's heart here is for this young man to come out of his sin. He says, your boasting is not good. 
Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? A little bit of sin fills the whole piece of dough. A little bit, a little bit of sin in the church will destroy a church. Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened, unleavened batch. Remove this young man from your fellowship so you can be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now, this next part is also going to be shocking to some. Paul goes on and says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral. He's saying, listen, I told you not to associate with those who are in sexual immorality in the context of the local church, not the world. If, if you're, if you're going to separate from the sexually immoral in the world, you're not going to be able to be with any of them and to share Christ with them or do anything. No, I'm talking about those in the context of the church. It says, well, the greedy or the swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy an idolater, or slanderer, or drunkard, or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. If there's somebody in your church, Paul is saying, that's living an immoral lifestyle, don't associate with them. Again, to our Western sensibilities, where we think that holiness is niceness or love is niceness. Well, again, we can be nice to people and be nice to them to the point that we let them go right down that road that destroys them. And that is the most unloving thing we could do. Paul goes on, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? I, he's saying, I, I'm not judging those outside the church. That's none of my business. Are you not to judge those inside? That's a rhetorical question. Are you not to judge those inside? Yes, you are to judge those inside the context of the local church who have claimed made a profession of faith to follow Jesus Christ and their life does not line up with it. You are to hold them to accountability to the profession of their faith in Jesus Christ. Expel the wicked person from among you. Again, that sounds really harsh to us and our Western sensibilities where niceness is love. 
And I've been seeing a lot of posts recently with everything going on in the world and people trying to be discerning of things happening in the world and people making posts about not judging. Stop it. That's not biblical. Christian, Christian, you are to be a discerning person. You're not to believe everything. You are to believe the word of God. And anything that is against God's word is a lie in the Christian worldview. And if it's a lie, then it must be wrong. Christian, if you see your brother or sister in Christ, in a sinful behavior that you know is destructive, that will lead them down a path of destruction, it is your duty to lovingly make sure there's not a board in your eye. You are to lovingly Go to that brother and sister out of love and call sin, sin. And to remind them that they have made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that the Apostle John says that those who live continually in rebellion and sin those people have not been born of God. One of the signs of being a genuine follower of Jesus is that you are quick to repent when your sin is shown to you. I hope you would love me enough that if you saw something in my life that was unbiblical and sinful, that you would lovingly come to me and say, Dwayne, I've noticed something in your life that doesn't quite measure up. Scripture. I'm seeing some things in your life that I believe that could lead you down a harmful path. Because I love you, I wanted to bring your attention to you. Maybe you haven't noticed it. Maybe you have. And I, I just want you to know that I love you and I want you to know that God's grace is big enough to cover that. I'm here for you. I'll pray with you. Um, but God will not be mocked. You need to deal with that sin. I hope you would love me enough to do that. Wow. Controversial issue, isn't it? Well, let's pray. Father, I am grateful. I'm grateful for your word that convicts and challenges us. And I pray that we would understand that we are to be a discerning people. We're to be a people where we understand that everything does not go, that there's some things that will not be tolerated by you or your church, that we would stand for truth in the face 
of a unfaithful and ungrateful generation. And that we would lovingly and graciously proclaim your word. And that we would lovingly and graciously go to people who are in the church that we know are heading down a path of destruction and that we would lovingly bring correction. Lovingly show them in in your word that that behavior is outside of your will. Help us to always judge rightly, not hypocritically, harshly, self-righteously, or untruly. May we always be a people who judge and discern rightly. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you like the video, hit that like button. Also, if you believe this video will help someone, share it with them. Uh, Maybe they've had this question. You don't know how many times I've dealt with this issue through the years in ministry. Um, We're we're dealing with maybe someone who had fallen into sin, who was in leadership in the church, and we had to deal with those issues. How many times this scripture has come up? Well, don't judge. And often somebody will say, uh, he who has no sin cast the first stone. But Jesus looked at that woman that was caught in adultery and commands her, go and sin no more. He passed the judgment. He said, you're sinful. What you did was sinful. I'm not going to stone you over it. But you need to deal with it. Go and sin no more. Maybe we be a people who don't stone people when they have sin in their life. But we graciously offer them redemption through correction. In Jesus' name. Love you guys. I hope you have a fantastic day.